How's it going, guys? Welcome back to Battle Bud Podcast. And I have Nicole Gardner, and she is with me today, and she has a ton of trauma that she went to, and it formed into complex PTSD. And what that is is whenever um, you have a lot of trauma, if you're exposed to a lot of trauma over the years, it, it builds up. It's harder to control whenever there's multiple incidents. And uh, we're going to hear her story. How are you doing? Doing great, Matthew. Thank you so much for um, giving me this opportunity to speak. For sure. Thank you for coming and, and being a guest on our show. I do this show just because I know there's people out there that are going through tough times as you did and I did. And um, I know for me, it took me four years to even think about what I had. And it took a certain somebody to be stern with me and go get help. So, um Thank you for, for sharing your life story with us, and hopefully this will reach out and uh, and help people that are going through tough times also learn how to get over certain traumas. Yes, thank you, and hopefully my story had a very traumatic portion that we'll get to uh, about a year ago, and maybe our conversation and being transparent about our journeys and what we've struggled with will help prevent this happening uh, to other people. For sure. And the main thing to note here is this show is not for, I guess, boasting or, hey, I went through this and that type thing. This this show is for helping people. And I really thank you for reaching out to me and wanting to do this. Some people are, are stuck right now and just got through going through uh, trauma and they're dealing with it in their own way. You know, some people are self-medicating. Some people are, are going down the wrong road and eventually it's going to bite them in the butt, right? It's going it, to, some people drink until they pass out like I did. Some people uh, turn to drugs and that leads to the police in, being involved or, or worse, you know, it leads to the suicidal thoughts. Suicide don't even have to be connected to drugs. I mean, the, Going through trauma can drive you to suicidal thoughts. I would love to hear your story. And let's start whenever you were young, because obviously you had a lot of trauma growing up and a lot of trauma as an adult. But I know that I have a lot of listeners out there that that had trauma as children as well. So if you would, just go ahead and start with with your story and and we'll go from there. Uh, A brief part um, of my childhood, um, I had a father who was an alcoholic. Uh, My parents divorced when I was five, and we kind of moved away from my dad, and I didn't see him for a few years, so I was a little shielded from that alcoholism, but my mother was manic depressive, so I dealt with a single mom who didn't function well mentally. And by the time I was in junior high, her threats of just killing herself were pretty often. Sorry to cut you off. Um, Can you explain what manic depressant is? It's somebody who swings into depressive states, and and it's like they're emotionally unstable. So she may be fine one minute, and then... In, within a very short period of time, whatever triggered her, which she grew up with a ton of trauma. She grew up in a very abusive household. And so that's what led to her manic 
depressiveness uh, because that she never resolved. She never right. really found help, although she was always on medication and always in therapy. But none of it ever really seemed to resonate with her help her you know so she and I don't know if it was medications this was in the mid to late 70s through the 80s she's still on medication today and she's almost 80 years old so this has been just a life long thing with her I dealt with it a little differently than my sister when she would threaten Uh, my younger sister would melt down and just be beg beg my mom please no no you know don't say this and I more shut myself off and created just this hard shell exterior. I can even remember saying, I, I think I was in high school, I was probably 14 or 15, and she's in one of her states, and she's just screaming, I'm just going to kill myself. And I remember saying, well, you just do it so I don't have to think. You never knew. I mean, in, yeah. in a child's mind, you don't know what you're coming home to. Are you going to come home and your mom's has killed herself? Like it it was kind of this fear and how I did it. I just internalized it, stuffed it down and just created this wall. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. I couldn't imagine my mom even mentioning suicide, much less threatening suicide day after day, (laughs) you know. And and it's sad because uh, I know a lot of people are actually going through stuff like that because on the side I work at an elementary school and, and I deal with children who their parents are like that like even now and they don't think they have a problem they don't think that they need help in reality of this all it's 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 affecting the children for an entire lifetime and they have to the children have to grow up and deal with it you know for what they didn't deal with and yeah that's that's a serious issue and you can't really expect children to learn and to behave at school when they have to go home to something like that. And uh, I guess we as a society need to do better with programs or or something focused on helping these kids deal with what they're going through at home because at home it's not going to change, you know. These the parents are the parent they're already molded that way and some of them are molded to where they're not going to reach help, they're not going to reach out to get help. And so we need to do better on reaching these kids and teaching them coping skills or, or uh, ways to deal with what they're going through at home. I, th- I think that would be a good deal. And hopefully somebody listening that has the power to do that comes up with something, you know? Yeah, to identify and and be able to provide the right help. Right. So I know our school system's already pretty stretched thin, but I know yeah. many people that work in the school system and they have hearts of gold oh, of course and they just you know they do know children that that are in need some are physical needs other they can tell are emotional needs and it's just giving them the proper tools yeah. to be able to help these kids exactly yeah i totally agree so after after that until you got out of high school that that happened well she continued i i did not continue living in her household anymore so I was never very close with her because of putting up the the walls and just like I just needed to it was a self-protection at the time and so we were we were never never close 
So did that wall that you formed affect you in the long run with your other relationships? Oh, most definitely. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought, yeah. <laughs> How did it affect you, if you don't mind me asking? I learned to shut my feelings and emotions off. So I, I stuffed them is what I did. So I just would stuff them and stuff them. And when I came across a situation or where there was no more room to stuff any more emotions... I got in the habit of going and getting really, really, really drunk. Wow. Like, really drunk. It wasn't all the time. I didn't drink every day. It wasn't like that. It was just like, okay, I can't control my feelings and my emotions, and I need to be able to do that. And so then I I would go out to a bar just drinking, and unfortunately, trying to just being transparent, I mean, I would drive. Yeah. And I look back now and I'm just, I think it's just a miracle that I didn't kill myself or someone else. I led yeah. a very self-destructive lifestyle. And that's easy to do. That's easy to do because whenever those thoughts consume you, that's all you think about. And that, and the only thing that you think about is, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but in my case, the only thing you think about is what can silence whatever's in my head. Or what what can get my mind off of whatever I'm going through? And for me, I was drinking as well, and I I drank a lot, and I drank enough to at night when I, when I was home to pass out so I can get a couple hours of sleep. Because when I whenever all this stuff first happened, I couldn't get sleep. Like I would, it would be easy for me to fall asleep, but I'd wake right back up, and and sweats or swinging or mm-hmm. whatever you name it, you know, it, it was I was going through it. So. I know a lot of people that turn to the bottle or turn to drugs or whatever, and they do drive. And that is another serious issue because you get pulled over and you're drunk. I mean, that's thousands of dollars out of your pocket right there just doing that. Then to think about if you're driving and you doze off at the wheel or you don't react a certain way at a certain time and you end somebody else's life, you know, and then that's another trauma on top of all the stuff that you're working with. And that just builds on on the negative in your life and a lot of people can't overcome that they'll commit suicide a lot of people or a lot of people will go down this downward this spiral and ruin everybody around them you know yeah and my my life did get to that point eventually I was married had four children I mean leading my life I would function very normally you know until I till that that point I would be having these emotions and and really I was just blocked off from from everybody to a certain extent and explain that real quick to a certain extent you could only get so close to me so before it it was like that's it no one really knew like I'm being very transparent uh, now but had you known me 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I mean, you would just know what I wanted you to know about Got me. Got you. Okay. All of the internal stuff that was going on inside of me, the worthlessness, the just, I mean, when when you grow up as a kid and your mom's saying yeah. she wants to kill herself, your child self, you're, I mean, what you internalize is in any child that has to deal with a parent that ends up taking their life. My mom did not end up taking her life, but I know that do they internalize that? What's wrong with me? You know, what's wrong with me that my mom would rather die, you know, am I not enough? Right. 
for them. And so all of that going in, but you don't want people to see that. I was the happy person. I was the happy drunk. I mean, Lord, I just loved on everybody. (laughs) I was huggy, lovey-dovey, you know, happy, dancing, Mm -hmm. you know, doing just whatever. And you would just never know the internal struggle that was going on underneath all of that. And, And I can't even say I was totally aware of it. Right. At the time, you know, I just knew I was having all these feelings that I just needed to suppress. You just didn't have a word for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and a lot of people are like that right now. Like if you go to work and everybody's full of smiles, you know, but nobody knows what they're dealing with back home. You know, at at, at the school that I work at, these kids are smiling and everything. But then if you really look into their past or they're actually present you get to know what they go home to and it's a miracle they come home and come to school and even smile i have kids that that are at that school and some of their their fathers been locked up for years and you know or some of them they just got locked up some of them their their dad died in gang shootings and you know it's just it's crazy and then some of them are getting beat at home you know and we try to help them out at school legally and emotionally through our, our counselors and stuff, but they're kids, <laughs> you know, and that's all they see when they go home. That's all they see is trauma. So, I mean, they're going to be affected for the rest of their life from what they're going through. So I think it's our job to um, make the resources uh, more, I guess, visible for them in a way that they're not scared to reach out to us. And um, I know Back when you were a kid, it, you probably didn't even reach out to anybody, right, when you were a kid? Uh, my mom definitely put me in counseling. I, I was what you would have called a wild child. Gotcha. I mean, I was stealing her car by the time I was 12, you know, and just going out. I wasn't even doing anything. It yeah. was just like, Getting out of the house. I, I can get your keys in the middle of the night, yeah. you know, like you're medicated right. and I know you're going to be asleep because that stuff knocks you out. Right. And, I'm just going to take your car and drive. And, you know, and that escalated into, you know, going to, mind you, I'm a little older than you. The drinking age used to be 18. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) But by the time I was 15, I was full-blown going to clubs even during the week and going to school and functioning. I mean, I had this very... Right. You were a a functioning alcoholic. In a way, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I could very much function in school, made good grades, and I could go party all night. And, you know, so so she did throw me in counseling a couple of times. And How did you feel about that? Because I didn't let anyone in. So, I mean, the counseling wasn't going to help. And one ear out the other, right? Yeah, yeah. just kind of I'd sit there and let's go through the motions. and But nobody was able to really get into the inner what was going on, right. you know, inside. So fast forward a couple of years. What? A, whole, a whole bunch of years. We'll go to uh, 2010, uh, May of 2010, uh, my husband left. So he decided, you know, he wanted a divorce. He wanted out at first, just again, because I had such a hard thing. I'm like, whatever, you yeah, know, fine. And are, are you, at, this, at this point, are you still... At this point, um, I have three of the kids at home. My okay. oldest son has been gone a few years, and you know, so. Are you still drinking? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So did uh, that play in a part of the husband leaving, or? 
I think just not being able to connect with me. Gotcha. You know, yeah. in a deep, in a deep way. Because of the wall. Yeah. 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 And he had his own. Um, you know, we weren't close. I mean, we were a functioning marriage. We just weren't an intimate marriage. Gotcha. So, um, I think he just. And he had a lot of anger issues, although that didn't manifest in any sort of spousal abuse or anything like That's that. Good. But he did have some anger issues, and I think I think he just I, – I can't speak for him, but right. um, I wasn't the easiest person to be married to. Right. <laughs> and um, I'm not either. Right. Even right now, I'm not. <laughs> still not. I know. Still not. For some reason, I had a girlfriend that I'd known since junior high, and mm-hmm. she was going to Lakewood Church. And I kind of was staying with her some. Uh, we had a weird arrangement uh, with the kids. I would be with them during the week. I homeschooled and everything. Right. And he would come home on the weekends and I would leave. So I'd go stay with friends on the weekend and he would have his time with the kids. Um, so one friend was attending Lakewood and I started attending there uh, with her just hanging out. Right. And um, it was July 1st of 2010. My husband was not going to be around that weekend. He was going off with a group of friends to do uh, the river or something. Gotcha. I just remember my brokenness getting so loud. I know now on this side, because the, the voices in my head were like, you're a terrible mom. You're doing nothing but screwing up your kids. This is what I'm hearing in my mind. Right. And maybe this plays out for some of your people watching. Definitely. You're a terrible mom. You're doing nothing but screwing up your kids. You've done nothing but fail at everything you've done. And so now here I am failing at this marriage. And I just so, my parents' divorce affected me so much that I, I just felt like, this was going to be doomed for my children. Right. You know, I was I was screwing their life up. And I sat in the floor of my bedroom. My kids were already in bed. And I was just crying. And these voices were just playing over and over and over in my head. And I had my 38, and I had it loaded. And I was, I was just going to be done. And wow. um, I'm not sure, <laughs> I guess... Uh, going to Lakewood a few times must have had something. I did not grow up in church. My mom's an atheist. I had no teaching in anything about the Lord, right. the Bible, nothing. I, I grew up with none of that, and neither did my husband. But there was something that night that made me say, okay, God, if you're real and you want this life that I've done nothing but screw up, you can have it. And I just remember feeling a peace. And I got up from the floor, put my gun away, and and I just went to bed. And the next day, all I knew is I was different. Yeah. I would like to say the voices stopped, <laughs> but they did not. Right. <laughs> and I'd like to say things got better, and my husband, you know, just came back. And but honestly, people thought I went nuts because I just wanted to know Jesus at that point, and He made yeah. a radical, radical change in my life. Right. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people don't understand what we go through or what people that went through trauma go through. And they do think that people like us are nuts, you know, and in some cases we are. But it's important to educate people on how 
people with PTSD, how their symptoms work. Like, we don't get to choose how we feel, right? Like, it's weird because I, I, I tell people that, oh, man, hey, look, today's not a good day, you know? Come at me tomorrow. <laughs> like, real calmly, you know, sometimes I'm, I, I'm more pushy than others, but basically the, the whole message is, I'm not ready to talk today <laughs> type of thing because if I do, I know I'm going to be angry about it because I, I have I, I had a rough night probably, you know, sleeping or whatever, and I would rather just talk to you and be respectful later, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and sometimes people get it and sometimes people don't and think I'm a total asshole. But either way, I mean, I'm not going to put myself in a position to be disrespectful to them, especially if, I'm not trying to be, you know, not saying I would be disrespectful, just I don't want to put myself in that position because I know my mentality at that particular moment. Mm. It wasn't, it, it's, sometimes it's not a good one, you know. So, yeah, it could it could be um, kind of scary for other people at, at times, especially if they live with you, like your significant other. Like there's times where my wife, you know, sometimes gets scared when I jump out of bed sometimes or mm-hmm. sometimes I I twitch at night because of the nightmares or sometimes I'll I'll sweat and when I wake up I'm in drenched in sweat sometimes I get up and I walk around the house just making sure nobody, all my doors are locked you know I mean you can't really explain everything somebody goes through because everybody's different post-traumatic stress differs from person to person so some might have a severe case of it and some might have another level of it to where mm-hmm. it doesn't affect their everyday lives but they still have it you know so you you talk to trauma victims growing up like being abused abused as a child and someone just got in a car accident they might have the same kind of trauma they might have the same kind of triggers same kind of um, reactions to certain things certain sounds certain smells certain voices it's all different you know and and i guess the more we educate people on it the better the world would be because that everybody will understand like, okay, this person has been th- through this, this, and this. So let's be respectful. And you see what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's podcasts like this yeah. and where actual people who've been through this, when I, when we can talk and just say what was going through our mind at the time and, and kind of what plays right. out and then how that affects us. Somebody else, what I've found is that, especially people that have suicidal thoughts, it's a very shameful thing. Yeah. Because they know, they know, somewhere in them knows this is not right. Right. And so they hide it, and they just struggle. And I think the more people can come out and be like, well, no, I struggled with this too, but this is how, this is how I cope, or this is, this is what's kind of... Got me out of that mindset because life is so precious. Yeah. Every life is so precious. Every single yeah. life. I know for me, I picking back up a couple of months. That was July first, two thousand ten. Uh, that I almost took my own life. Maybe two months, a month and a half later, maybe. I just remember those voices coming on me again. It wasn't receiving the Lord that made them stop. I'll explain that in a minute and they they came on me so strong I literally called my girlfriend and I rounded up my guns I am a gun person I am too (laughs) (laughs) and 
I rounded up my guns and I put them in in a, a luggage and I just called her. I said, where are you? And I said, I'm bringing you my guns and do not give them back to me. And I mean, so I just got all of it out of my house (laughs) because I just felt like that that has taken away, you know, one aspect because that's always where my mind went. Right. I'm kind of a not a I'm an all or nothing person. And I know had I gone through with it, it would be a no end. It wouldn't be a well, maybe we can. Right. It it would be done. You know, there would be for sure. Like, and, and and let me let me go ahead and uh, elaborate on that issue real quick. So that was awesome that you were able to notice that removing the guns from the house would be a good thing. So there's nothing wrong with guns. I own a lot of them. I, I most of my family owns tons of them. My friends own tons of them, and I'm all about. No, keep, my guns are back. I'm, I'm okay. All, I'm right, much better now. My right. guns are back. <laughs> and, and I'm all about guns. Like I'm all about having guns owning them i'm all about our rights like i really yes i'm i'm all about it so but um there are times where especially if you know that you're better off without them and you have somebody that you trust that'll take care of them for you definitely especially if you're going through it because you're going to get over it right it's going to be it's going to take a little time and whatever just if you have guns in the house and you are feeling like this um, and wanting to hurt yourself or others, just trust that separating yourself from your guns for that small period of time, just until you feel better, will work wonders and it might save your life and others. Yes. You know, um, I, I know there's a big uh, issue right now. Um, a lot of people don't think police officers that go through, that have PTSD should carry guns anymore and that's that i've heard that going around and i've also heard military men and women that come back from war that have ptsd shouldn't own guns and my that's the stupidest thing i've ever heard in my life that is the dumbest thing i've ever heard in my life these are men and women that have served us served our country served the communities and have a straight calm head on their shoulders and they got to deal with the worst part of people's lives every night of their life at work whether it's overseas or here in our communities and they deserve to have that amendment you know they deserve to be able to have that right to still protect us because they're trained in that that's what their their whole life is is molded around protecting us the people around us that our loved ones people that they don't even know i know i know officers that that have been shot at, have been shot, have shot and killed people, have, and everything justified. They've, they've come out perfectly, but it affects them. Me, for one, as well. It affected me whenever whenever I had to pull pull my trigger and and uh, end somebody's life as well. But you go through a little time period where you got to get over what you got to get over, and you're back at work. When I was at work, it was all work. I would do it again, you know. To be honest with you, I, I would I would do everything exactly the same as I did before because my job is to protect people. That's my job. And that, and I know all my brothers and sisters in blue. I, I know firefighters that carry that carry weapons and that have been in traumatic situations and that have PTSD. I know uh, EMS that carry firearms. 
I know teachers that carry firearms, like they they know how to differ from or how to get their mind back on track from saving lives and their own personal issues. You know, if you're trained in, in, in this specific field of, of saving your communities, that's that's instilled in you. And granted, there is a few that's that that stray, but I guarantee you the majority of us are very, very professional when it comes to guns. And that's just my little two cents I, I had to throw out there because that, that is a, a, a very hot topic. And I hate the fact that certain people, politicians and specifically, want to throw out there that they want to take our guns away and they target people that help you mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Anyways, <laughs> sorry about that. But, yeah, going back to that, uh, I'm I'm really glad you're able to – calm your head and get your guns back in your, in your household so you can protect your family uh, from people who don't give a shit about other people, you know? So. Yes. No, <laughs> I, I did not want to come across in any way saying, yeah. you know, you just need to, I just said for me that right. was the step I needed to take because the voice that was playing in my head was right. that, that method. If the voices in your head envision a rope if you keep seeing a rope hung over something well you need to not be keeping any rope heavy duty rope in your house you know if it's whatever your mode if it's hey i'm gonna swallow a bottle of pills well you need to get probably all the prescription pills out of your home exactly that would be my suggestion until you can get to a place in your journey where you can feel safe with those things around so whatever it is that it, for me it was it was shooting myself so right i i needed to do that and she kept him very safe so. i'm glad she did that's a good friend <laughs> it's a good friend she's a good friend yeah it definitely is and another thing is you learn who your friends are and who the, who are not your friends during these kind of situations and um so in a way it's a positive because you live the rest of your life knowing that that person's there for you no matter what and you know that someone that you thought would be there no matter what is not there no matter what. And it kind of opens your eyes, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. You know, when, when, the, when everything's down is when you figure out who your real friends oh, are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So going fast forward a little bit further, what happened after, after you got your guns back? Well, I, I will just give a testimony. It was a few months after that, it was November of 2010, that um, my husband had a radical encounter with the Lord himself, and we reconciled our marriage, um, ended up adopting two more children uh, awesome. to make six. Full but, house. Yeah. <laughs> just through my journey with the Lord, he has positioned me with different ministries that help you uh, deal with the trauma of your past and reconcile it with the Lord. Um, there's a scripture in Romans 8, 1. They exchange the truth for a lie. One of the ministries that I'm under that, that has mentored me a great deal is the exchange ministry out of Launch Houston, which is based in Houston. Becky Castle developed this over the last 20 years just through scripture in the Bible it, it's essentially living out the gospel in your life, and the Lord wants us whole, and he wants us to be reconciled with him, and he doesn't want us believing lies that through our 
life experiences, especially in childhood, uh, lies that the enemy has tried to place in us to get us off track and off relationship with God. So through that, I've been able to reconcile a lot of that childhood stuff. And even when current stuff happens, I can go in and, and we can just seek the Lord and I can I can get the truth. Can you give us an example of that? Well, like I said earlier, I dealt with a lot of unworthiness, like mm-hmm. I'm not worth much. You know, my parents divorced. I kind of felt alone right. at that point at five. Then my mom's having these mental issues. And then when my dad does come back into my life, I, re- you know, he's, yeah. he's an alcoholic. Gotcha. So, And he was not a friendly alcoholic. He was more of a mean alcoholic, uh, not physically, but just he's verbally. Abusive. He was verbally, verbally very abusive. That's a form of abuse. And, yeah. you know, so to go and see what the Lord has to say about you. And usually in an exchange session, you just ask the Lord and he brings up a incident in your life. You kind of work that out with them and right. you eventually ask, okay, where were you when this was happening to me? And he has showed up every single time. And I facilitate uh, exchange sessions also. So I've never, it's never failed that, He shows up and shows the person where he was in that uh, situation. And to know what the Lord thinks about me, just that I'm his child and I'm so precious and the way he looks at me and that I'm created for a purpose and a destiny and to bring glory to him. Hmm. And so it's just aligning with that truth of why I was created has been able to silence the enemy. Um, I still dealt with, even though I was following the Lord, I still dealt with the voice of the enemy coming and telling me, you'll never succeed, you're screwing up your kids, you know, like, yeah. just quit now, just go go get yeah. drunk. Drinking is not anything I do anymore, just because I realize, I know that... Um, it's not a legalistic thing. Oh, I'm a Christian now. I can't drink. I know plenty of Christians that do drink. Yeah. Just for me, because I use it as a coping mechanism. So I felt the Lord was like, you don't even need to be drinking at all. Right. So I don't. But the enemy would still get in get in my head, try to tell all this stuff. But for me, what I believe, now that I know it's the voice of the enemy and it's not my voice, because it doesn't come like a scary voice you know, Halloween movie or something. It sounds like your voice. It sounds like these are your thoughts Mm -hmm. you're having. Once I really realized it isn't me thinking that way, this is the enemy, I was able to say, in the name of Jesus, shut your mouth. You know, this is what God says about me. And so I I can say I haven't had to battle in a long time with, uh, with thoughts. That's good. Yeah. That's real good. So I'm, I'm not very I'm not very religious anymore. I grew up in the Catholic Church, and I, I every week CCE classes and mm-hmm. you know all the way up. I guess when I went off to the military, I just didn't have it available to me, so I just kind of fell off from it. But I always, I mean, it wasn't for nothing. I didn't, I didn't like turn myself away from them or anything. I just it, it wasn't there on the ship, well, mm-hmm. and I didn't have time to to. We had a um a little church in the ship. And it was like a little, and it's just a little, little, little cross in there, and you just go in there and pray, whatever, and oh, you leave. Okay. But um, to be honest with you, the job I had, I, I didn't, I didn't have any time even to go down there. Like, 
it was crazy. So like during the whole time out at sea, I just lost lost my way and in, in to him. And um, when I came back, I just never felt the need to go back. I guess I I, I mean I probably should. <laughs> Even now I I should. I know I should, especially now I have a daughter. Yeah, I I, I want to raise her in the church and uh, let her choose her own way when she grows up. But I, I do like the fact that the church does instill morals in the in the children. So I definitely, my wife and I were talking about that. We have to go pick out a church now. But um, I got to get back into it. But I do know that I had to stop drinking for me just because every time I drank, something bad happened. Like <laughs> every time I drank, it seemed like it's something added to my my symptoms, you know. So it was just better for me to stop. And every time I drank, it pissed off the wife <laughs> and it pissed off the, you know, well, at the, at the time she was my girlfriend. But it, so since we've been married, I, I don't, I haven't drank like casually at all. If we go on like trips, I'll, I'll drink. It was just me and her, you know, but I know, I know my limits on that. You know, if I get too drunk, I'll start thinking about the past, you know, yeah. crazy stuff. Well, alcohol is a depressant yeah. and people need to realize yeah. that some people are like, oh, I'm feeling sad. I'm having a bad day. And they go to alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. But alcohol is, even if, like me, I would get super happy and be lovey-dovey and just, like, the the life of the party. I was the life of the party. Um, I don't get invited to parties anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway. Funny how that works uh, out, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) At least not, you know, the kind of party I used to get invited to. Right. yeah, but it, it's actually a depressant. Yeah. So after that high, you may get, you know, you, it, you you are even in a worse place than you were when you started mm-hmm. because it is a depressant. And oh, so, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. I used to drink until I passed out. I woke up. I felt crappy, you know, and I'm back the same place I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely get that. Where did that lead you? Like, where where did getting into Jesus Christ and everything lead you? I know now you're doing ministry, right? Uh, yes. It it uh, well it led me on just a a journey of just uh, becoming whole and just having peace within myself. And also, as you become uh, as as you start to experience the Lord in intimate ways, when you allow yourself to be intimate with the Lord, you find it much easier to be intimate with other people. So that wall that I had erected started coming down. And now I can share about my life. I don't feel like I put on, you know, faces for people or fronts or whatever. You know, if I'm not doing good, I reach out. And I have, you know, my inner circle of people. I know, hey, I can give this person a call. I can give that person a call. They'll listen to me and then they'll they'll bring me back to being focused on God. That's good. And so it's helped me be a better mother, grandmother. I now have five grandchildren. And so, you know, I'm just... That's even just more be, to live for right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, even more to live for. However, it didn't stop yeah. tragedy from hitting my family. Right. I also believe, just adding, that I think this can be generational. I think you'll see a trend Maybe you're someone who's who's listening now, and you're you're struggling with suicidal thoughts. Uh, you've had PTSD or whatever, and you think like just so many people feel secluded. I'm the only one. This is only happening, you know, to me. Mm-hmm. I have no one to talk to. 
But I bet you can look back in your family line and probably see a pattern right. of, of this. Unfortunately, I didn't look out for, for signs maybe enough. Um, at that point, I mean, did you even know what you, were, what you would look for, for the signs? I mean, in hindsight, always in hindsight, yeah. you can look back and go, I should have seen this, yeah. I should have seen that, you know. That's why I was heading up because with me, I didn't, back then I didn't know what to look for. Right. You know. So I don't know if we're fast forwarding to the other part of yeah. my story or yeah, not. Yeah, we yeah. can go there. My, my oldest son, uh, he took his life. Uh, August 15th of 2018. Take your time. Yeah, it's okay. I could see in the months leading up that he had definitely was struggling. I had no idea to the extent on several different levels. He had gotten born again or he started following Christ in December of 2012. He had a very rough young adulthood. I would say he got into drugs, you know, right. alcohol, um, you know, arrests. Matter of fact, he found Jesus. He came to to know the Lord in jail, gotcha. <laughs> Harris County right. uh, Jail. By this point, I had already been following the Lord, you know, a couple of years and had talked to him about the Lord. He'd never heard about the Lord growing up because I had never taught my children about the Lord because right. I didn't know the Lord. And... um so that was so thankful, and he was such an evangelist. And I know you may have a lot of police officer, officer friends, men in blue. I just have such a respect Thank you. for those that protect us. And even though I can just remember to share one memory about my son. Uh, we were actually, um, I would take him into town once a month or whatever. He would have court dates for his arrest that he right. had done. And he couldn't drive in, so I would take him. And I just treasure those times yeah. because it was just me and him. Like I said, I've got a lot of kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so to get alone time one-on-one with really any of my kids is, is kind of a thing. And so we did, and we had gone to court that day, just kind of an appearance thing, and, you know, left, and we, we stopped at a Whataburger. And this was just, this was, this was my son. Um, he saw two officers eating right. lunch at the Waterburger, And he goes, um, I'll be right back, Mom. And he wasn't doing it as a show for me. He wasn't at, at all. He went right over to the two officers and it's like, can I pray for y'all? And he prayed for those officers. Awesome. And um, I found in his tool shed a Houston uh, police officer's like plastic bracelet. Mm-hmm. You know that they can give out? Yeah. I found that he had it hanging on his toolbox, and I have it now, and it's sitting in my kitchen window, so I pray. I pray for our officers because I know you. they put their lives on the line every day. Um, but he still struggled. He still he still struggled. He didn't quite turn everything over to God when he came to the Lord. He still hung on to a lot of hurt and pain, of he had his addiction issues, so uh, finding out from his wife on the day he died that he had started using drugs again. Hmm. How, how how long was the period before between him using and him using again? Like, oh, you said he, he yeah, stopped he long. stopped in 2012, and so 2018, so probably oh, wow. six years. 
So it was um, a good, good amount of time. That he yeah. Stop. The first thing I noticed he, he kind of put back into his lifestyle was alcohol. Uh, and that concerned me, just yeah. knowing his his history. So that was a concern I, I did not know about the drug use. Um, him and his family lived on our property. So this happened. It was traumatic because we were first on scene. And, um, and kind of paint that picture real quick. It, it's um, what, you got some acreage. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we live on ten acres, um, but our house and his house were just fifty feet. Gotcha. I mean, it just very shared the same driveway. Gotcha. Okay. Essentially, and he had a carport, um, and he hung himself from the carport. Um, I Sorry think. To hear that. His wife found him first and was screaming, and my husband was leaving for work and uh, cut him down. But then I was next outside with the phone because one of my kids ran in, called 911, someone screaming. Fortunately, um, thank you, God, that none of my kids saw the scene. And for some... I can only say the Lord because it was literally right outside my grandchildren's window Wow! that all this screaming is happening. They stayed asleep. It was the day before school was going to start. Normally they'd be up for school, but um, it was the day before school started. And um, you still try to figure out, like, what yeah. what was going on. It was the day before his daughter's birthday. And two days before my birthday. So that was, that, I, I, I cannot make sense of it. All I, all I know is that the enemy had to have been screaming loud that night. Oh, yeah. And him not being able to be in his right mind. I mean, his, his wife said he was on drugs that night. And they had an argument that night. And she just thought he went to go sleep on the couch. But he actually went outside and ended his life. And he had so much to live for. His children. Yeah. And um, so much potential, so much love for people. He's one that it, you could be a millionaire or you could literally be a homeless person on the street, and he treated you exactly the same. Right. He was just who he was, and um, he treated everybody that way. So, that, Al, that, that, okay. that real quick, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's, no, no. that's one thing I, I want people to understand. Like, when you see people that seem to have their life together don't put anything past them yeah if you see the red flags reach out to somebody and tell them like because you never know what's going on through their head and in their head i know i know people that have full families like they have kids beautiful wife and they still commit suicide and they're they have a battle within that they're they're battling out every day and and it's it's not um it's not specific to a certain race. It's not specific to uh, gender. It's not, I mean, it, it doesn't care. Like it, it, if you see the red flags, you need to reach out to them. And if, and if you reach out to them, do it privately. Don't embarrass them. Don't, don't stir them up. Just pull them aside one day and be like, hey, look, man, I, I've noticed this, this, and this. And if you need help, I'm here. At least you're, you know, reaching out a hand. And if, and if they deny it, then at least you can say you tried and then you go tell somebody else and hopefully they can get to them because when we don't, that's when we feel guilty. Um, if something does happen, like for me in particular, I, I felt really guilty because 
I wanted to respect my friend, you know, his privacy. I, I wanted to, I guess, not um, intrude in his life because I know I, I wouldn't like that, and you know, for somebody to do that to me. But hindsight, you know, looking in, it's, it's yeah, definitely I, I would now, knowing what, what was going to happen later. But at the time, it's like, he's a grown man, and if he doesn't want my help, then, you know, I tried. But I sh like in my head, I'm like, man, I should have done more type thing. So if you see somebody that has that have red flags like this and that are go, you see them going down a a, a, a bad way. Um, you see their life kind of getting out of control. You see them keep picking up bad habits. I mean, put the dot, uh, connect the dots. Like it's it's um it's not hard for somebody to get off track. You know, it's not. They can do it within a matter of days and. You know, some people, they give in to these thoughts quick. Some people, it takes years. But, I mean, it's um, it's our job to, to help our brothers and sisters. So, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that because I, I know my friends, I I went through a lot of guilt knowing that I, sh I could have done more about it because I, I saw the signs. I just wanted to respect their wishes, you know, basically their privacy. So... Sometimes it's worth, you know, getting them pissed off at you every now and then, you know. A friend of mine, she's also a mother, and she actually had her son put in the, the hospital. Like, had she, she didn't live close to him, yeah. but he was threatening um, to hurt himself. She called the police, and they got an ambulance or whatever they put him in the hold or what, whatever they take you take you to and the the son was very mad at her at first yeah. but then he's gotten on some medication and he deals with a lot of PTSD his father was extremely abusive right and uh so he's he's doing much better that's good but it takes you know how's sometimes their, how's their relationship now oh they they have a great I mean it's that's what I mean yeah, yeah. I've been I've been seeing him and her together they yeah. meet in Houston sometimes and it's like just a different world. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's worth getting somebody pissed off at you for a couple of days, a couple of months, maybe even a couple of years. But at the end of the day, he's still alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you and you have a clear conscience. So. Yeah. Don't. To be me, afraid. it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't be afraid to to even do the hard thing and make a make a call yeah. to whoever the EMS nine one one or whatever and right. say this person needs help. Also, a lot of people, like, don't want to, they think getting on medication, that's just, like, a shameful thing. Like, oh, right. I would never be on medication. Sometimes you need you need to right. get on some medication until you can g develop some good coping mechanisms to be able to, to function. Right. Um, it's not worth leaving, you know, you may end your problems yeah. by ending your life, but you all you've done is just pass them on. Yeah. Um, so people who, who love you. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, and I have used my experience uh, in losing. Uh, he's not lost. I know where he is. He's with the Lord. But this has become a problem. Not just police officers, military have always had an extremely high suicide high. Yeah. rate. We're now seeing it in the church. Two weeks after my son died, a very high-profile pastor in California uh, committed suicide. Yeah. Another one just recently. 
um, I think in the last couple of weeks, another pretty high-profile pastor with a family and actually had a ministry that addressed these type of depression issues, mental health and, yeah. de- and depression, and yet he still took his own life. And I am like, it, somebody well, has to sound the alarm. Yeah, definitely. And and I think what you're seeing is a lot of people in, in um, positions to help others think of themselves in just just that you're helping others and you forget about yourself type thing. Uh, I know with me, uh, whenever I was on the job and I was working, I would tell these people like going through trauma, like exactly what they needed to do. And I didn't listen to a word of it myself. Like I know what to do. It's just, you don't, you don't think, especially when you're helping people out every day of your life, like you don't, you don't think that you're the person that needs the help, you know? And it really, all it is is pride. Mm-hmm. You gotta swallow your pride, and you gotta you gotta get up off your ass, and you gotta help yourself. And once you help yourself, you can help others better, you know. Yeah. And if you don't, I mean, you shouldn't help anybody. Like really, if you can't help yourself get through trauma, if you can't help yourself um, get up and seek help outside of your household, like you have, you should have, you shouldn't be helping others at all, because you're number one, you know. And people see that. People see if you're still struggling. People, you know what I mean. Like if, yeah. you're, if you're trying to help others and you're sitting there and you can't even like tell your story, like they understand that, you know. So if you're trying to give them coping skills and stuff, they're gonna be like, "Well, come on, guy," you know. You know what I mean? Like yeah, gonna, people can yeah. see reality. Yeah. They can see when you're being real oh, and, yeah. and when Definitely. you're not. Um, you may think you have people fooled, yeah. but you don't really have people yeah. fooled. And, and uh, just to clarify. Um, just because you, you sought help and stuff, I mean, PTSD, post-traumatic stress doesn't go away. You can manage it, though, to live your live your life and be productive. And you can still help your family. And, you know, it never goes away, though, you know, because that, you know, that trauma is still with you. It's a part of you. You know, let that trauma help you help others. Like, it's, it's uh, you got to turn that situation into a positive like for me, I, I mean, I've dealt with my trauma numerous times and I've dealt with it and then I've fell back down with it. I've got back up and dealt with it again, fell back down with it. And finally, I'm at the, I'm at the point where I'm, I've dealt with it and I, it's been a couple of years now and I'm able to tell my stories and, and move on and try to help others because I know that a lot of people don't understand how to move past certain situations, you know, and if I could help them, even one person, I'm... I'm winning, you know, so, and, and me helping others is kind of like therapeutic to me, you know, so. And that's, that's that's kind of how I've, I made that decision actually that day that my son died and I told the Lord, I'm like, use this for your glory. I'm not going to let his life be in vain. And I've, I said, I'll never turn down uh, the opportunity of somebody asked me to speak. I've been yeah. to Mexico like three times, um, different churches around the area at Launch Houston, just sharing my message. Really, really, I just want to love on people through this and make them aware that they're not alone. Right. And, um, well, I'm wearing this shirt. <laughs> you are loved. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a heart on my shirt. It says you are loved. And so many people... I mean, if that can be the one thing, if they yeah. can hear my transparency, <laughs> oh, my transparency in that I, I struggled 
right. with suicidal thoughts and depression and worthlessness. And then sharing my broken heart. I mean, I'm a mother whose yeah. son has done this. I, c- I couldn't imagine losing my kid. It, and I just, and I, I just had my kid three months ago. <laughs> and you, you know what I mean? You've had yours for years, and, and I, I, I can't imagine losing a kid. Nothing I would wish on anybody. And if I can be a voice, if I can be a hug, I will hug anybody. Right. I mean, I'm wearing this shirt. If I see anybody, if I'm sharing my story, it usually ends with, I I will never be able to hug my son again. Yeah. On this side of heaven. I know he is in heaven. I know that goes against some doctrinal beliefs, but the Lord has showed me clearly that's right. where he is. And I won't hug him, but I will hug you. If you need a hug, and usually that ends up with most of the people that are listening to me right. in front of me and lined up just for hugs and we hug and we cry yeah. and you know if it can just make one person rethink yeah uh, that decision well and it's very powerful coming from someone who actually went through it you know so and I say this a lot um, if people who, who get up there and talk about trauma let's say car accidents and they've never been in one I mean it other other people know that and they they know that through your message they they feel the lack of power coming from them you know you know what i mean it's yeah. it's, it's um it's a different tone i guess when someone who actually went through that kind of trauma is talking about it and it, it legitimizes everything that you're saying and it hits people in a different way in their heart and and it, and it makes them um i guess more attentive more interested in the in that in your story because they know you're for real right so and then that's when helping people comes into play because people that that see that they're like well if she can do it i can do it you know yeah. that, that way so you're awesome I, I appreciate everything you coming on and and uh, allowing me to interview you and i've thoroughly enjoyed this experience and again i just can't say enough how brave you are in being open about it and I just uh, pray that this podcast and your book and the different things that you are doing to help bring to light dealing with trauma and not allowing it to to rob you of a quality of life and your life and that is so important so just God bless you in all of this that you're doing I appreciate you thank you so much and um I know uh, real quick now you're you're uh, you're reaching out to the homeless, right? Uh, I have reached out to the homeless. Yes. Okay, nice. How, how's that worked out for you? Oh, it's it's worked out good because a lot of people. I mean, that no matter what got you to becoming homeless, yeah. just living that lifestyle alone is traumatic. Definitely. And then you have to believe that uh, events in your life that led you to led that. You to, yeah had to be pretty traumatic in itself. Yeah. So whenever I have gotten in front of people who um, are, are homeless or really struggling in that way, uh, the response is always very powerful. And they, they always have, you know, a parent, a family member that has committed suicide or thoughts themselves, you right. know, uh, just there's such a hopelessness Definitely. amongst the, the homeless community. And they just need to see hope sometimes. Definitely. And um, 
and doing d- doing what you're doing with the homeless can actually, I mean, I'm not going to say it could heal homelessness, but it could help people that are homeless turn around and, and want to do better. You know what I mean? Because a lot of those guys, they're suffering from it, and they don't, they've never reached out, you know? And that's their what their coping mechanism is to isolate themselves from everybody in the world. Yeah. And they go hide behind a bridge or under a bridge or, or hide wherever they, they're, they're living. And they just don't care about life. But doing what you're doing can definitely impact the life. And even, I mean, even if you talk to 50 of them and one changes, that's enough for you, I, I, I imagine. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've, I've yeah. said that since um, August 15 of 2018. If, if my story changes the mind of one person, and I already know that yeah. it's been many more than that because well, I've It's going to be a lot I've more, heard. too, being on, on, on a podcast, uh, sharing your story. And, and hopefully you do what I told uh, as I told you to do and start your own podcast. And, and just interview and interview. I mean, you don't have to interview the homeless. You can talk about what you what your conversations with certain people without giving names and stuff, you know. Yes. And, and doing that, other people are going through the same issues. And they can resonate in that and, and start following you on, on, on your own podcast if that's what you want to do. But I mean, your story is very powerful and it could be, it could help a lot more people if you're put on a platform. So I appreciate you coming and let me know if you want to start anything, I'll help you. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much.